welcome to the End Time Revolution. Broadcasting worldwide on a mission to unite born-again servants to find the army of Elijah's preparing to face Antichrist to witness before all, come what may. This is Wings of the Eagle Radio. Yes. Yes, my friends, welcome back. This is Christopher Manti, Wings of the Eagle Radio, live and in living color. <laughs> oh, God bless you all. Um, I appreciate you so much listening in to us. Uh, if you are live, welcome. Feel free to chat it up right now. Any questions, concerns, or comments, please feel free to do so. And, of course, you can connect in any way you'd like, um, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And uh, we would just love to have you. So please reach out. Feel free, as always, uh, to speak about whatever. But today we have a very special interview with Robert Spencer. Robert Spencer is really in the middle of it. And we're going to bring uh, our interview with him to you in just a little bit. Won't, wait, won't make you wait too long. Um, but as always, we do want to acknowledge the Lord, first and foremost. And we want to make sure that folks know that we're on the air, because this has been sort of irregular. But I want to correct that. So we're going to aim for every Friday morning, having a live broadcast, and we are... Uh, hopefully going to be on the Omega Radio Network every day, every day. So you never have to miss us. And it's a great blessing from the Lord to be able to uh, do that, or even possibly to do that. It's a wonderful thing. Um, so we do want to make sure you tell everyone you know about this. Okay? About the ministry, about things that we're involved with, um, about the show wings of the eagle radio because we sure like to uh, bring it to you and it is something that um, we enjoy and the lord has blessed me with the talent to do it and hopefully there'll be other presenters uh, as well as time goes on um And so we, we love doing it. Okay? Very good. There's a phone number if you'd like to connect with us that way. 740-337-4774. But it's just as easy to go ahead and connect with your whatever device you're on, computer, and so forth. Just go ahead and type it in. If you're on YouTube, whatever else. Facebook, Twitter, right on the app. There's an app for Spreaker. There's an app for Wings of the Eagle. I hope you go download that. Uh, you can get it right from the website. Just click on app. Uh, or from the Facebook page as well. Just search out Wings of the Eagle. All right? Good enough. Okay. 
Uh, so again, this is Christopher Manti. Just so blessed to be back with you here on Wings of the Eagle Radio. We're going to ask the Lord to bless this time. Father, we love you. Thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you for what you've done for me, for saving me. I'm just a sinner. But thanks to the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, I am saved. And we acknowledge that for everyone who is saved, we are united as one body of Messiah. And your Holy Spirit has arrived. He is in us. He's teaching us. You, Father, you are in us, speaking through us, speaking to us. We just ask that you use this time for your glory and for your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so... Robert Spencer, um, we'll get to him in a moment here, and he was very gracious to come on and uh, give us some of his time, because he is in demand, for sure, and as I said, he's in the middle of all these culture wars, so to speak, and um, you know, when you speak out against Islam, it's not all fun and games, there's serious potential consequences, and he's just not afraid of that at all, and I hope I instill that in you as, as a listener here. That there's no need to fear. Um, if you're in, basically, if you're in God's will, I hope you're praying to be that. And if you are, there's no terrorist in the world that can touch you. Uh, and if you're out of God's will, there's nothing that can protect you. No guns, no bullets, no stocked up pantries or basements full of supplies. None of that will help you. Um... Get stay in God's will, and there may come a time where he will um, request that you give up your life because of your testimony. And at that point, it's no big deal. I would hope that you would not shrink back, or that I would not shrink back, uh, if that were to happen. So that's what we're about here. We're preparing the, for the Great Tribulation time, and for the Antichrist, and for all that stuff that comes before the great day of the Lord, the return of Jesus Christ. And we believe that time is near. Uh, we've done many, many, uh, provided many resources to that end. As a matter of fact, we have a free course that you can take online right now. It's called 10signsofjesus.com. Go ahead and go there and take it. Take a couple hours, two, three hours, and you'll see there are ten signs that are happening or about to happen in the earth that prove that the return of the Lord is near, as a matter of fact. Not tomorrow near. That's important to know, you know. Um, but near. And so we've been busy here. The Part of the reason why we haven't done any broadcasts for, I don't know, what, six or the past two months, basically, um, is because I've been traveling. I've gone to Israel, the Holy Land, went for a 10-day tour with some wonderful, wonderful saints, man, folks that you've heard of and folks you have not. And um, just a great time with the with the body of believers that is in love with Jesus and wants to learn about his land, where he walked, and where he will walk again. You know, seeing these places that the Bible talks about and walking them with your own feet and seeing the prophetic land, seeing Armageddon, the place called Armageddon. One of my desires in life is just to teach an unbeliever that Armageddon is not a thing, it's a place. You can't bring about Armageddon. It's a place called Armageddon where there'll be a battle when the Lord returns, but... Uh, it's a big old valley. It's a huge valley. 
in Israel, northern Israel. All right, so, for example, seeing those places, for being on top of Mount Carmel, where Elijah fought the prophets of Baal, for um, walking in the, in the Mount of Olives, looking down on the Temple Mount, being in the Temple Mount. I walked on the Temple Mount. Un, unaccosted, by the way, completely peaceful for like 45 minutes or an hour. It, I mean, it was great. And, of course, as soon as we left, that's when the trouble began. But um, unconnected, I'm sure. But uh, it was a great time and wonderful. And there were many, many takeaways from it. If you go to our blog, we put on um, some words of wisdom, some Holy Spirit nuggets, some... Uh, the words of the Lord that came through teachers and guides that were there about some of the things that we learned. And uh, you can go find that at wingsoftheeagle.com slash blog. And then, so there was that, and then I you know, barely recover from that, and boom, I'm whisked off to Texas for a conference called Understanding the Times. And we just got back from that, I just got back from that Sunday afternoon, this past Sunday, so um, right before we left, I interviewed Robert Spencer. But the the conference, so you're going to hear that in a second here. But the conference itself was just wonderful. Um, I was asked basically to MC the event, and if any of you were there, just let me know, give me a hello. Um, it was a great time of learning and fellowship, and God was definitely there, and not only. You know, prof. It was like half prophecy teaching and half response. How do we respond to that as a believer? What do we do? Um, where are we called to be? How are we called to react? If if this if this Islamic paradigm of the end times is correct, it behooves us as believers to reach out to Muslims, to love them, to give them the gospel, not shrink back, not fight them not be afraid, not react as the world would act, or frankly as Satan tells us to act, which is to kill them. Horrible evil. We are to love them, preach the gospel just like to every other creature on earth. Uh, and especially, especially if Satan is, is abusing and using them and deceiving them to such a point where, and we know there are many, you know, there are different ways that Satan lies and tries to come against Jesus, come against the gospel, come against the church. I understand that. But it's clear, isn't it? It's crystal clear that this is um, the, the way. This is the prime antichrist movement that will be utilized before the return of Jesus. There's no other candidate. And there are many scriptural reasons to believe that as well. Anyway, so uh, we're at this conference, and uh, you know, I'm basically emceeing the thing. I'm you know saying hello, introducing the speakers, and keeping everybody on time, and getting them off often on the stage. And hopefully, I didn't embarrass myself too badly. Uh, the feedback was very good, so that was that was a blessing for sure. And um, dear friends were there. Uh, Nelson Walters, uh, if you know him, he's an author and a blogger. Uh, Mark Davidson, who, again, is, is, a, is an author of a, a book that I recommend to everyone, which is Daniel Revisited, and he's got a new one, a couple new, he's got a new one called Iran's Great Invasion, and he's working on yet another one that's huge, yeah, but can't talk about that yet, but, uh, I mean, huge in length, 
Um, I highly suggest that because it will change your paradigm and um, really be looking at what is next in Bible prophecy. It's not the Antichrist. It's not even the tribulation. It's not the rapture for sure. It's this, it's this scenario laid out in several scriptures, but especially in the book of Daniel, um, about where we should be looking. The fact that there is a, there is a, a beastly kingdom, we call it a caliphate, that starts in Iraq, and then there's a, a big uh, military movement or invasion from Iran, and then Turkey leads a coalition in response. This is all happening right now, or about to. So we best pay attention. Anyway, so he was there. Uh, they got rid of all their supplies. People were eating up their books and stuff. It was awesome. Um, Tom and uh, Tom Doyle and Joanne, his wife, uh, they are basically missionaries who live in the Middle East. They were there. Wonderful, wonderful stories and just wonderful heart for, for Christ. Um, Pastor David Dykes there. It's a huge facility. I mean, if you don't know Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, it's humongous. It's like a, it's like a hall. I mean, they have two giant churches on one campus. It's, it's God's doing stuff there, um, and so it was just great. And then Joel Richardson, of course, was there, and he's super busy and doing something all the time. But he took time out to give a, several presentations, and um, got to have dinner with him and and the other guys a couple of times. So that was that was really cool. Good to spend time with the brothers. All right. Uh, we'll be s- telling you more about that for sure. And we'll be posting YouTubes of, uh, or you- on YouTube, of all the speeches and uh, content of the conference shortly. All right. As soon as I get that, I will tell you about it. Um, and so it's just been fantastic uh, these past couple, you know, six or eight weeks, just. Um, traveling, which I don't like to travel, by the way. I, I, I just don't. I'm an introvert, believe it or not. I, some, I told some somebody that this week, and they like, looked at me like I was insane. Yeah, yeah, I am. I would much rather be at home and just, you know, do what I can and not speak to people. Um, that's just my natural state, and that's okay. Introverts and extroverts are both created by God. He, it's totally cool. So, anyway, uh, but it's all good, and the stuff that the Lord has you do, just just pray about it and do it. That's my advice. All right, so it was a great turnout uh, at the conference. Uh, we got a whole bunch of sign-ups for Wings of the Eagle, uh, the ministry in general. Uh, to get more information, to sign up for the Ten Signs of Jesus course, which I just told you about. There's about 50 folks who want to be on that, like ASAP, which hopefully we can get done today. Hoping to. Uh, and they also want information on the End Times for Beginners course, which is the full-on, first-time-ever, comprehensive Bible prophecy online course. Go check it out, endtimesforbeginners.com. It's just, it's massive. It's re- It's really a lot bigger than I thought it would ever be. Um, and it's not even done yet, but you can access it today and get all the materials. Uh, you pay once, but then you get it forever. And then no matter what's updated or new things added or th- stuff like that, you don't, you, you'll always just get it. Self-paced. You know, you don't have to meet at a date or time or anything like that. It's already pre-recorded, um, pre-submitted for you. So 
I suggest you take a look at it. We have a lot of great recommendations and testimonials out, including from Joel Richardson and from several students who have taken it. And the feedback has just been phenomenal. I, I, uh, it's very humbling. All right, so check it out, please. Endtimes4beginners.com and 10signsofjesus.com, which is completely free and a lot smaller and faster and more compact. And this is great for sharing, right? I don't care if... You, you don't if your church members don't know anything about anything never read the bible unbelievers or even your pastor or whoever just give them that 10signsofjesus.com let them work through that all you need to do is have an email address and you're in and then you can take it whenever you want however you want however many times you want share it like crazy it's completely free uh, it's just a labor of love all right so <laughs> please do that i appreciate you if you would and so after the break, we're going to get to this uh, Robert Spencer interview. It was a great interview, and I uh, hope it comes through okay on radio. We're going to put it up on video as well, on YouTube, on the Wings of the Eagle YouTube channel, and on Facebook, okay? So you'll see it no matter what or hear it somehow. Uh, so we're going to take a quick, quick break, and then right after that, we'll get into the interview with Mr. Robert Spencer. Broadcasting around the world. All around the world. We're available at the App Store and on Google Play. Download now for free. Anywhere, anytime. It's that easy. Thanks for listening. And now, Wings of the Eagle Radio. Yeah, please do get that app. I see, uh, strongly suggest it. Go get the app right now. Go to Wings of the Eagle, click on app, um, or you can go to the Facebook page. There's a big blue button right on top of Facebook. Wings of the Eagle page says get the app. So go get it. Again, completely free. Um, not a problem. And um, it's it's great. I don't know why you wouldn't. You don't have a smartphone? <laughs> Most of you do. Most of you do. So I suggest you go just grab that and you'll get all the latest stuff about everything. Um, that's it. Not really hard at all. Okay? So let's get into Robert Spencer. Robert Spencer is, like again, right in the middle of these culture wars. If you know him at all, we're going to... I'll just play the interview and you'll hear all the details about him and, and the things that he's been going through and um, the wisdom that he can offer... Of course, he's a prolific author. He's got tons of books out there. Uh, the latest one is called The Complete Infidel's Guide to Free Speech. No. Is that it? Yeah. No? <laughs> I'm just not good sometimes at remembering stuff. And my wife will confirm that. In fact, everybody will pretty much confirm that. I want to get it right. Even though the interview has it. Yeah, The Complete Infidel's Guide to Free Speech and Its Enemies. There it is. Okay? Wonderful guy. Um, hopefully we can talk to him again soon. But here it is. The complete interview with Robert Spencer with us here from Wings of the Eagle Radio. Enjoy. All right. Uh, we are with Robert Spencer, uh, the very well-known author and uh really out there in the front the forefront of this great cultural debate that we're having and sometimes it 
progresses beyond a debate, quite frankly. And that's not always a good thing, but at least it's never boring. Uh, Mr. Spencer, welcome to Wings of the Eagle. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great honor to have you. Um, personally, I've been reading your stuff for, I'm trying to remember how long. I mean, I've, I was reading David Horowitz in college, so that's how strange I was. And uh, <laughs> that's back in 1995-ish. So it's been quite a while, and uh, I've been a fan of yours for, for many years. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. Um, I wanted to let, uh, if you don't know, folks out there, uh, jihadwatch.org is Robert's site. I highly encourage you to go there and read everything on it. Um, tons of great information, a lot of breaking news kind of stories and things that you should be focusing on. Um, you have a series of books basically called The Complete Infidel's Guide to dot, dot, dot. And the latest one is Free Speech and Its Enemies. Can you just give us a, a quick once-over about what that's about? Absolutely. Uh, the Complete Infidel's Guide to Free Speech and Its Enemies is a guide to how there are concerted efforts on an international level and in the United States itself at very high places, very powerful people. And this is not a conspiracy theory. It's all out in the open. But they are working to infringe upon our freedom of speech, which is the absolute prerequisite and indispensable element of a free society. They are working to curtail the criticism of Islam and essentially make it impossible not just to speak negatively about this religion, which probably most, most people would not be interested in doing anyway, but in exploring the ways in which jihad terrorists use the teachings of Islam to justify what they're doing and to make recruits among Muslims who are peaceful. And if we are not able to speak about that, and that is already rapidly becoming a reality all over the country, then there's nothing we can really do about terrorism because we won't be able to confront the motivating ideology behind it. And if you do not know an enemy, you cannot defeat that enemy. And especially if you refuse to understand what that enemy is all about, then you will never be able to defeat him. What is your opinion or understanding about why this is? Why the fear? Well, there is a very skillful effort that's been gone, conducted for years now uh, by Islamic advocacy groups which have ties to Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood, such as the Council on American-Islamic Relations and the Islamic Society of North America and others. And they have for years claimed that any honest discussion about how jihadis use Islam to further their ends is racism, is bigotry, is hatred. And I always thought that was ridiculous, but they just always kept at it, never broke character, never uh, uh, said, yes, we know this is ridiculous as well, but we are using it for political purposes. Uh, they always maintained that this is what it was. And I realized that it is a very effective tactic, really, that they played on the national trauma of the United States, which is racism, and were able to portray themselves as victims of it, even though jihad and Islam itself are not a race, and Muslims are not all of one race, and there are uh, Muslims and Islamic jihadis of all races. And so the idea that this has something to do with racism is ridiculous. But they played that card very well and uh, got the entire American left on board to think that it was racism to resist jihad terror. And the real insidious, dangerous aspect of this was illustrated by a, an incident that I recount in the book that took place about 10 or 12 years ago that was a plot 
to uh, uh, shoot up an army base. These Muslims at Fort Dix in New Jersey, they were going to go into Fort Dix and shoot as many American soldiers as possible before they themselves were killed. And then they thought they would receive the Quran's promise of paradise guaranteed to those who kill and are killed for Allah. And so they were planning this, but they made a big mistake. They went into a video store. This is some time ago, remember, and they had mm -hmm. these VHS tapes of jihad, gory beheadings and so on. And they uh, asked the man who worked at the video store, young man, to uh, transfer the VHS tapes to DVD. While he was doing the job, he saw what was on them, and he was alarmed. He went to his boss, and he said, I'm seeing some very disturbing things on these videos. Should I go to the police, or would that be racist? Now, the idea that it even, he did ultimately go to police, but this is a true story, and the idea that he actually hesitated because he thought it might be racist to oppose jihad terror shows how effective this propaganda campaign has been, and people really are scared. Same thing happened a couple years ago when uh, two Muslims shot 15 people at a Christmas party in San Bernardino, California. The, all summer before that, their neighbors had been disturbed by a lot of suspicious goings-on, strange comings and goings in the middle of the night, a lot of unsavory characters going in and out of the house. And they didn't do anything. And they explained after the shooting they didn't want to be guilty of racial profiling. And so here again we see we have been told day after day, year after year, for so many years, since 9-11 and also before 9-11, that to oppose jihad terror is racism, it's Islamophobia, it's bigotry, and people have internalized it. And this is a direct assault upon the freedom of speech in a, in kind of an indirect, it's a, it's a direct assault, but it happened indirectly in that it wasn't outlawed, it wasn't officially curtailed. It was, we were commanded from on high that we had to not speak ill of Islam, but it's just become accepted in the culture. And I think Hillary Clinton summed it up a few years ago when she was Secretary of State. And she said, uh, after she signed on the U.S. to agree to a resolution at the U.N. to criminalize incitement to religious hatred, which mm. is a very elastic the term, uh, she explained at a meeting in Istanbul with the Organization of Islamic Cooperation that, of course, we have the First Amendment and we can't just outlaw criticism of Islam, but we can use old-fashioned techniques of peer pressure and shaming, she said, and that's worked very well. That's exactly what they are doing. Right, and, of course, that's a, a great tactic of, of our friends on the left to stop yes. any, anything they don't like is to shame. Don't shame them, you know. Interesting. Um, so this is obviously a, a, a pan... Um, national issue. It's not just America that this is happening to. For example, um, I, <laughs> about two Christmases ago, I bought one of your books for my aunt and uncle. Uh, my aunt is a staunch Catholic, and so I bought her the Inside Islam Guide for Catholics that you wrote, which I highly recommend, by the way, um, because it's such a, a hard in. You know, it, it's tough to, to get into that conversation uh, with folks who, um, I guess, default to the fact that, well, you believe in God or you believe in religion, you must be a good person at heart, and there's no possible way that any of this stuff about Islam, encouraging it, could be true. Do you experience that all the time? Oh, yeah, all the time. People assume if it's a religion, it must teach love and peace. It must, must teach the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of men. They're, they, they, nobody can conceive, or few people can conceive, although more and more are all the time just by the force of reality. But few people can conceive of the possibility of a religion that actually teaches 
hatred and violence and warfare. It's it's beyond it's it's just inconceivable to most people. Right, and that's something we have to break through because clearly in the text and like hopefully I would encourage any listener or viewer here to buy a Quran if you don't have one to to look at the hadith, right? To look at the source materials because that's is where all this stuff is coming from. I think you're you're you constantly point this out. It's not just that um, it's some fringy thing over here that this this cult believes. It's very mainstream and goes all the way back to the source uh, of Muhammad. And to to not do these things is strange, right? Yeah, it's really quite obvious. It's not really hard. Uh, yeah. It's mystified me over the years. The kind of reception that I've gotten, because all I did was read the Quran and say what was in it, and I read the Hadith and said what was in it. It's not really rocket science here. Not it's rocket just, surgery. It's, right. it's obvious. It's plain that the Islam teaches violence, warfare against unbelievers. But you know, you mentioned that you bought Inside Islam a guide for Catholics uh, for your aunt and uncle, and I thought that it was important to note that this effort is going on also within the Catholic Church. The effort to stifle all criticism of Islam and even just honest exposition of uh, its teachings because that's really all that book is and yet uh, there is an initiative called the Bridge Initiative out of Georgetown University funded by the Saudis and uh, coming from the Saudi funded Al-Walid bin Talal that's the prince who uh, funds this whole initiative and it's the Al-Walid bin Talal Center for Muslim Christian Understanding at Georgetown University which is ostensibly a Catholic university and the new the bridge initiative now which is part of this center has uh, started a campaign to get catholic bookstores and catholic institutions not to carry my books and not to invite me to speak and so on and they're claiming well I see it's islamophobia and so on to speak about these things now what's most noteworthy in the bridge initiative's dossier about me is they quote all these things i say as if they're self-evidently false but they don't refute any of them, and they can't refute any of them because they're simply true. They're just banking on the ignorance of the people who run the bookstores or the people that they're targeting in other places. And who to think that, yes, well, Islam is love and peace because all religions are. And so, therefore, if Spencer is saying that it teaches warfare against and subjugation of unbelievers, he must be a racist, bigoted, and Islamophobe, and we must by all means remove our books from the bookstore and so on. And uh, th this is y yet another indication of how the freedom of speech, and particularly criticism of Islam, as I detail in the book, is being rapidly curtailed. And there are active efforts to do this now in the United States. Right. And this is a common theme, right? You play on the ignorance of these folks. They just Very don't common. know. Yes. They just don't know what's in there. Um, it, so you, you've been banned from the UK. Um, Same thing. I, <laughs> Same thing, Chris. I was... Yeah. Uh, Banned from the UK, I was actually right here in my office, and the FedEx truck drove up right out in front and came to the door, and the FedEx guy was a little bit awed. I was surprised because, you know, they're usually just doing their work. And he said, it's from the British government. And I had to sign for it, and I opened up the letter from the UK Home Office, and it said, you are not allowed to come to the UK. You can read the letter on my website. I scanned it in and put it up, and it says, because you said... Islam has a doctrine of warfare against unbelievers, which is like saying you can't come to the UK because you said water was wet. Yeah, right. It, right. It, it's just a plain denial of an obvious reality. But they didn't say because you're a criminal. I don't have any criminal record. They didn't say because you're inciting violence. I don't incite violence. They didn't say anything. 
except that I said Islam had doctrines of violence, which is obviously true, and they banned me on that basis. It's a, Really, it's the war against the freedom of speech today is a war against reality. Amen. Oh, and has this changed with the, the uh, new government coming in? Has anything happened with this? No. Uh, it was from the, the letter was officially from the UK Home Office, which is, I, uh, I'm not quite sure what the equivalent is in the US Department of the Interior or something. But in any case, the head of the UK Home Office at that time was Theresa May, who is now the Prime ah, Minister. Well, so, that, that doesn't uh, help. <laughs> the ban is stronger than ever. She was actually bragging about it uh, uh, over the winter. She gave a speech in London or somewhere in the UK and said that uh, she had banned Pamela Geller and me, my colleague who we were going to go to uh, the UK at that time to lay a wreath at a memorial for Lee Rigby, the uh, British soldier who was beheaded on a street in London. And that's all we were going to do. But in any case, uh, she May was bragging that she had banned us because she said uh, she had also banned uh, she had also worked to prosecute Abu Hamza and Abu Qatada. Now, Abu Hamza is an Islamic Jihad terrorist who is in prison now in the U.S. for trying to start an al-Qaeda training camp in Oregon. And she was equating, uh, and Abu Qatada mm -hmm. is also a Jihad terrorist, and she was equating us with these killers, these people who want to commit mass murder. She was equating our words with their murderous actions. And that just it is more of this insanity that governs the world today. Yeah, unfortunately, right. Do you expect to see more of it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, just recently, I was invited to speak in Canada. And then the organizers came back and said, really, uh, we're embarrassed about this, but we have to disinvite you because we're afraid that you would get stopped at the border, maybe barred from the country, maybe even arrested, because there is this fellow, Wild Bill. I'm not too familiar with his work, but uh, Bill Finley, and he goes by Wild Bill, and recently he was invited to speak in Canada, and he went to the border, and he said that he made a video about it that I posted at my website, Geodwatch, and he said that he was only going to speak about the mistreatment of women under Islamic law, which is another obvious reality. Mm -hmm. The Quran even allows, it says that men should beat women who they fear disobedience from. And uh, he was stopped at the border and held at the border control for eight hours while they searched his iPod, and then they confiscated his iPod, iPad, one of these things, you know, one of these electronic things. Right. He had his notes on mm -hmm. for his talk. And he said, ironically, he was going to speak about the mistreatment of women in Islam and about the war against the freedom of speech. And they kept his, his device. They confiscated it. They, they, they said that they suspected him. They arrested him for, uh, what was it, smuggling hate speech into Canada. Smuggling. Now, this is after Canada passed what was supposed to be a non-binding resolution condemning Islamophobia, which is a trumped-up right. word in the first place, right. to uh, go to stand for any criticism of Islam and to intimidate people into thinking there's something wrong with it. And anyway, they, it's, it's obviously the Canadian government is not acting as if it's a non-binding resolution, but they're acting as if it's law now and arresting people for criticizing Islam. And in light of what happened to Wild Bill and a few other incidents like that in Canada that happened to Canadian citizens, the organizers of the event decided not to invite me into Canada. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's a shame. I have friends there and I like going there, but it is very dangerous now. And clearly the Canadian government, like the British government, is at a war against the reality and a war against the freedom of speech and is stifling criticism of Islam. And so it's not a good time to go.
do they believe in their heart of hearts? Do you think they're saving lives by doing this, by giving people like you who won't respond violently a hard time that they're going to save? For example, when you were in Texas and, and Pamela that one time, uh, people try to kill you. Um, do they yeah. think they're saving people from that? Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, they're in full appeasement mode with Islamic jihadis. And they think if we just, well, you know, Muhammad Atta said it, uh, uh, the 9-11 hijacker, when he hijacked the plane on, on September 11th, 2001, he got on the uh, intercom and he said to the passengers, just stay quiet and you'll be okay. Right. And of course, they did stay quiet. They figured he was going to land the plane somewhere and they were not okay. He smashed it into the World Trade Center. Now, the moral of the story, I think, is, is one that has been completely missed by American authorities and by authorities all over Europe and the Canadians as well, that they think if we just stay quiet, we'll be okay, and we're going to smash into the building as well. They think if we don't criticize Islam, if we don't say anything negative about Islam, if we even include in that quiet, in that silencing, in that self-censorship, even counter-terror analysis, you know, the Obama administration's counter-terror program that's still in place, by the way, is called countering violent extremism. Right. There's no mention of Islam. It doesn't have anything to do with Islam because, of course, we all know Islam has nothing to do with terrorism. Did, did, didn't, so they, didn't they disinvite you from that, too? If just stay quiet, then Muslims won't get mad and won't attack us. Did, didn't they disinvite you from that, too? Yeah, not, not strictly from that. I was before that was in place. I used to uh, instruct FBI and military groups about the Quran and Muhammad, taking them into the mindset of the terrorists and showing them what they believed and what they wanted to do. And all that was stopped by the Obama administration as they were constructing their countering violent extremism program. Right. Well, because if you have violent extremism, you have to include everyone. Um, right. Extremists, uh, right. Such as right. Exactly. Very violent in our rhetoric. Um, yes. So, how, just a quick one minute. How does little Robbie Spencer grow up to to want to do this? Oh, I never wanted to do this. Uh, <laughs> I did always think I was going to be a writer, but I was going to be the next great novelist. And unfortunately, that's uh, the great novel is going to have to wait. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But um, the uh, thing is, I uh, my family is from that part of the world. My grandparents were exiled from the last caliphate, unless you count ISIS, uh, the Ottoman Empire, mm -hmm. and they were exiled for refusing to convert to Islam. And I was very interested in all that when I was very young. It actually took me a long time to piece together what I just told you. It took five seconds to say, but many years mm -hmm. for me to discover the whole truth of what had happened. And in the course of studying and looking into what had happened, I was led right into Islam, because it was really all about Islam, and so I read the Quran for the first time while I was in college, and I uh, had a lot of Muslim friends there, actually, who were trying very hard to convert me, and I had many interesting discussions with them, and a lifelong fascination was born. Of course, after 9-11, that became something that people were interested in, and I was asked by a group that I was consulting for about these issues to write a book about it, and uh, I did, and wrote another, and another, and the 17th is coming out in November. Oh my gosh, only 17? Wow. Proficient, Robert Spencer. And don't call him Richard, by the way. Do not yes. do that, please. Thank you. Um, I'm never going to do it, I promise. For some reason, this is a problem on Twitter. Um, now, Robert Spencer is a very good man. Thank you for doing what you do. Uh, and um, so I, I just will close it out here by basically just saying, what 
do you think is the most important after all, out of all these topics? And we know we see the we see the caliphate. And by the way, as obviously you tell people often, the Muslim Brotherhood, the whole point of their existence is to bring back the caliphate, the one that exiled your family. So this is a uh, a real thing that's happening. It's not just some obscure, you know, nerdy topic. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, years and years ago, many years ago, probably before you were born, I was in a debate with this Muslim who uh, was criticizing what I was saying about dimitude. Dimitude is the institutionalized discrimination against non-Muslims in Islamic law. And he said, well, you know, that's a relic of history. It was abolished by the Ottoman Empire in 1856 and in Egypt in 1859. And it, no, it doesn't exist in the Islamic world today. And nobody's talking about bringing it back. And so you're just talking historical relics and fear-mongering. And... Uh, just a few years later, of course, Hamas announced that once they were fully in power, they were going to collect the jizya, which is the hallmark of the demi status, the second class status for the Jews and Christians. They were going to collect it from the Christians who were in the Palestinian areas. And then ISIS came and occupied at its height a uh, territory larger than Great Britain and did indeed uh, impose the demi laws on the Christians in its domains and collected the jizya tax from them. And so uh, these things were shown anew to be still part of Islamic law. And these realities have impinged upon us in all kinds of ways. Also, when I started this work publicly, many, many people would say, well, look at Turkey. Turkey is a Muslim country, but it's secular. And that's the wave of the future yeah. for the Islamic world. And you'll see in 10 years and 15 years, many, many more Muslim countries will be like Turkey. When what really happened was that uh, the Turks actually dismantled the secularism and are rap rap rapidly reimposing Islamic law. And no other countries have done anything like move toward democracy. They've only moved away from it in the Islamic world. All right. Let's hope they don't become more like Turkey. Um, er Erdogan is, is quite the character, and uh, I'm sure he would love to um, be the new caliph. Um, yes. <laughs> what, what would you say in general um, to the West, to, to America, what is the most important thing about Islam that we in the West have to know right now? I would say that it is not just a religion, but a political system, and it's a political system that is authoritarian, supremacist, and violent, and that there are Muslims, individuals, and organizations that are working right now in the West to subvert our own political system and to replace it with their own. Do I think that they will succeed? I do not, at least in the short term and at least and also in the long term. It will be many, many years before the United States adopts Islamic law. But what will happen is a great deal of civil strife, which is already beginning, and a great deal of ruined lives and lost lives as they in, uh, attempt to achieve their goals. And this is what is happening now. We need to wake up to the reality of this and work to defend our own laws. Uh, the idea of the freedom of religion is often invoked in this context, and people say, you can't do anything about this because we have the First Amendment, and they're just uh, living out their religion. And that is absolutely true, but the First Amendment was never intended by the Founding Fathers to be some sort of suicide pill. It was never intended to be anything but something that would protect and strengthen the United States. And the idea that it would be used against the United States is something they would have found ridiculous. The First Amendment freedom of religion is not a license to commit treason. 
It is not a license to commit sedition or subversion or to break any other laws. And we need to enforce the and re revive and enforce the principle of one law for all and equality of rights of all before the law. This is what is being lost today. People don't realize it, but there are attempts to bring Islamic law into the United States bit by bit and piece by piece. And there are attempts to stifle any discussion about this and to demonize and stigmatize anybody who does discuss it. And these things have to be resolutely resisted, or we surely will lose many, many freedoms. Above all, in the first place, the freedom of speech. Once you can't criticize Islam, then there's no freedom of speech at all. You've established a protected class in the United States, and you have destroyed the principle of the freedom of speech, and with it, the principle of a free society. And those who are in power can dictate to the rest of us. This is the road we are heading down unless we stop it at this, before it's too late. And a lot of nations in Europe are already at this point because there is no First Amendment per se. Yes, absolutely. And so there's no free society. And it's already rapidly happening. Facebook, people don't know. It, it sounds unbelievable even when I say it, but Joel Kaplan, the vice president of Facebook, recently flew to Islamabad in Pakistan, and he assured, he promised the Pakistani government that Facebook would take down all criticism of Islam. And sure enough, Jihad Watch, which is my website, that only does only tracks terrorist activity and jihad activity in the United States and around the world, and explains its ideology, has been cut off from Facebook. It's still there, but you can't refer it refer from it. A lot of people can't see it. It's shadow banned. And the referrals from Facebook to Jihad Watch dropped 90% in February and have never recovered. And many other sites have experienced the same thing. Facebook sites critical of Islam and Jihad have been just shut down. And Facebook is implementing essentially Islamic blasphemy laws. It's the same thing with Google. Google recently changed the way it runs its searches so that only favorable results will come up if you search for Islam or Jihad or Sharia, terms like mm -hmm. that. You're only going to get material about how Islam is peaceful. You're not going to get anything about how Islamic jihadis use the teachings of Islam to justify terrorism. That's all buried now. And so we are rapidly losing the freedom of speech rapidly losing the right to say anything we want to you know nobody is minds when you criticize christianity right. but if you criticize islam now it's out of bounds and this is a very dangerous thing that threatens all of our other freedoms right amen and this is at its core i think it's a spiritual issue and that's why as a as a christian as i am and as you are as well i believe um yeah. what would you say now the most important thing for the church to hear about islam is well, here again, it's authoritarian, authoritarian, supremacist, and violent. It, it has in the Quran what it uh, says is the correction of Christianity and mm. says, contradicts many Christian teachings on the basis of saying this is the real truth about what Jesus said. And this is the real truth of Christianity that the Christian leaders have distorted and even the New Testament is distorted and, and has been changed by the Christians. And so this is the real truth. And so it's got what it considers to be a built-in reputation of Christianity and the true version of Christianity, which is Islam. And so there is intensive proselytizing by Muslims among Christians. And many leading jihad terrorists have been ex-Christians, like Adam Gadon, who was very high up in Al-Qaeda before he was killed by a drone strike a few years back. And uh, John Walker Lind, the young man from California, who was found fighting for the Taliban and Al-Qaeda against American troops in Afghanistan. And John Georgellis, 
who is very high up in ISIS, is also a convert from Christianity, from Texas. Now, there are many, many others, but most of the churches do not have any recognition of this and do not have any way to equip their young people to withstand the arguments that the Muslims are presenting. And the uh, churches, in many cases, uh, churches of all, of all kinds, of all denominations, are pursuing Muslim-Christian dialogue, which is supposed to be solving all these problems. And yet, it's really just an exercise in futility, as the, the Muslim side approaches it as a method of proselytizing, right. which the Christian leaders appear unaware of. And the uh, Christian leaders have readily agreed to refuse to refrain from talking about unpleasant issues in these dialogue sessions, such as the Muslim persecution of Christians. And so I think, well, then what good is it? If you can't deal with the real problems, then it's just a waste of time. Maybe you go away feeling good, but not one Christian has been saved from persecution. Not one church has been saved from being burnt. And the Muslim persecution of Christians in the Middle East still continues. Right, right. And that's, I think you, you really nailed it is, are you equipped to deal with it? Are, are the churches teaching the folks how to deal with this when it comes to you? Because it probably will. And in yeah. my, you know, in my area, in my town, most Muslims, there's been a huge, the last, I'd say about two years, move towards extreme. Um, I mean, you've got the women in the full kneecap. I mean, everything's going on. And they're not immigrants, they're converts. And yeah. I mean, 90 plus percent where I live is like that. And they're not just, you know, happy-go-lucky type. They're for real, for serious, let's let's get real with our Islam uh, type of people. And that should be concerning to, you know, if you're if we're part of a, a, a nation that uh, is full of churches and things, well, how can this even be possible? So I, I agree with you. This is a, a huge thing. Um, anything else that you wanted to, to make sure people know? And obviously we want to make sure everyone who's listening or viewing goes to jihadwatch.org because Facebook doesn't work. Uh, so go go right to the website. Hopefully we've got some good security firms there keeping it up and running for Robert. Um, and pick up all the stuff. Again, the newest book is called The Complete Infidel's Guide to Free Speech and Its Enemies. And it's pretty clear that at this point in the world that Islam is quite literally an enemy of free speech and an enemy of the gospel uh, because they want to say, yes, we are, we are superseding uh, this previous message, this previous guy, Jesus. Oh, by the way, Jesus is a Muslim. And uh, when he comes back, he's going to make sure you're all Muslims too. So, that's right. So that that's what I'm looking at. You know, if, if, if God would allow something like that to happen, we have to be equipped and get educated. And you're a big factor in that. So I thank you, Robert, for doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate your time. Robert Spencer, everyone, uh, sincerely appreciate his time and his willingness to speak uh, to us here at Wings of the Eagle. And you will be able to, of course, hear that at any time here. We'll uh, archive our programs, as always. Uh, it will also be on video, so if you can check it out on our YouTube channel uh, and on our Facebook page, we'll put it up as well. Uh, so you'll have a video feed. It's an excellent um uh, Skype broadcast, so you'll see Robert very well, and uh, the audio is very good as well. So feel free to share that around. And again, we sincerely appreciate Robert and what he has done. I mean, I wasn't kidding. I, I've read the guy for ye years, years and years and years, and he's really been at the forefront of this whole situation um, with Islam. So it's very—he's uh, a critical piece in, I believe, what the Lord is trying to tell us. 
about these end times, right? Robert Spencer. So uh, highly recommend all his his work. So please check it out. Okay, um, in just a few minutes here that we have remaining on Wings of the Eagle Radio, I, again, sincerely appreciate you and your listening in, whether it is live or on demand, if perhaps it's on the Omega Radio Network. God bless you for that, and thank you for uh, for that network for uh, helping to spread the word here, and Pastor Vincent Xavier as well. I want to give that brother a shout-out. Um, and by the way, we're on his program uh, every other Monday. Every other Monday, I believe it's 9.30 Central Time, so 10.30 Eastern. Uh, be sure to check that out as well. And of course, we're always open to your comments, questions, and concerns, whether it be live here. Go ahead and leave a comment uh, right on the app or on the website. You can do that later as well, even if it's not live. We can respond to you. You can send me an email if you'd like, radio at wingsoftheeagle.com, radio at wingsoftheeagle.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, you guessed it, Wings of the Eagle. If you're interested in my thoughts for some reason, you can follow me at Manti4, M-A-N-T-E-I, then the number four, Manti4, on Twitter. And so that's uh, always available to you as well. We have a, a, a obviously a Facebook page for Wings of the Eagle. Go ahead and search that out. And also a private group called the Fellowship Network. And uh, you can go ahead and find that on Facebook. But you won't be able to see anything until you join, and you're approved to join. And we, unfortunately, we have to vet folks a little bit uh, before they can join. But um, that is fine. So please do that. Uh, one last thing I did want to mention before we go is that when I, of course, I said we went to Israel uh, about a month ago, and the main thing that God worked in me through those folks who were there and in prayer times and just seeing the reality on the ground. We we should know, if you don't know, I, we have lots on the topic, but the future, before the Lord comes, part of it is what he calls the Great Tribulation, a time of tribulation unequaled, unparalleled in the history of the world. And that concentration of that tribulation hour, it's a three-and-a-half-year period called the Great Tribulation. There's a seven-year period coming, and the last half of that is called the Great Tribulation. The first half is called the birth pains. In any event, most of that, most all of it, is centered around not America, but Jerusalem, Israel, and the nations around Israel. That's where the epicenter of all this is. And part of that, as we should know, the very famous verse, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and Revelation 12, tells us that when the this great tribulation begins, there's the great sign of it starting called the abomination of desolation, where the Antichrist will come to Jerusalem and invade it and physically sit down in the temple there on the Temple Mount. This will be a declaration of war in itself. And the armies around Israel will invade her and will succeed in invading Jerusalem and it will be trampled down for three and a half years. That's what the word tells us will happen. And Jesus says, what does he say? Those who are in Judea, not in New York, not in London, 
not in Russia, in Judea, which is the area around Jerusalem, middle of Israel. Those who are there, flee, run away, get to the mountains. Otherwise, you're going to die. Read Zechariah if you don't believe that that's true. So what God impressed upon me, my time in Israel, is to see that scripture come to life. And the fact that it isn't going to be by some magic wand that the unbelieving Jews of Israel will know to flee to the mountains and God knows where that is. The church has to do that. The church has to do that. The church has to do that. We are his hands and feet. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones who will preach to them. We will tell them to leave, to flee right now. This thing that you just saw is an invasion force. If you don't run, you are going to die or be taken slave, captive. We don't want that. Go to wingsoftheeagle.com slash tribulation. Wingsoftheeagle.com slash tribulation. You will see a brand new video about that and what you can do. Yes, you can and must do to help in that hour. Until next time, this is Christopher Manti, Wings of the Eagle Radio. May God bless you in Jesus' name. Until next time, pray always. Meet with others who know what's coming. Join the free network at wingsoftheeagle.com and spread the word. The destiny of the final generation of the saints of God draws near.